It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligione. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2300. 289122682328 find out why I go all the way to St. Simons to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molinar from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can get a copy of it while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. Hey, looking for some Christmas gifts? You want them signed? Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book, and you can make it happen. Hey, you looking for more than one? Because I strongly recommend that you get four, five, maybe ten copies of the book. Then just drop me an email. I'll cut you a deal. Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And don't forget about downloading our app. It's for free. Visit the website, billycboxing.com. And uh, click the banner that says, you know, download the uh, Billy C. app for free. <laughs> um, Vasily Lomachenko, Guillermo Rigendau, huge fight. Um, we got some post-fight thoughts coming up. Um, Lomachenko, all I'm going to say is, you know, listen, listen, boys and girls. Um, you want the true definition of the sweet science Watch Vasily Lomachenko fight. Uh, you know, if you are a younger boxing fan, and I say younger, meaning 40 years old and younger, and uh, you've uh, drank the Kool-Aid uh, that has been poured for you uh, about the definition of the sweet science, uh, you've been misled. You've been a victim of a smokescreen. Vasily Lomachenko is the definition of the sweet science. The sweet science is hit and not get hit, but the rest of that statement is be in a position to inflict damage on your opponent. Vasily Lomachenko does just that. He spins, he turns, he he avoids, he does head movement. You can't hit him, but he's in there right in the pocket hitting you while you're trying to hit him. The sweet science is not someone who avoids a punch and runs to the other corner of the ring and dances all around. That fighter has to be able to inflict damage on his opponent at the same time his opponent is trying to inflict damage on him. That's the sweet science. 
That's what Vasily Lomachenko does. We will be talking about that and some other fights. And uh, also, the WWE event uh, known as uh, Luis Ortiz against Daniel Martz and all of the shenanigans that uh, led up to uh, uh, Deontay Wilder in the ring uh, being led, being uh, you know, choreographed. I, it, it was sickening. I was waiting for Mean Gene Okerlund to pop out of the woodwork, uh, you know, and, and Jesse the Body Ventura. Well, you know Mean Gene. You know, I, I mean, that's the way it was. It was 100% WWE. I, I, I had to laugh. Uh, but uh, first, I, I just want to mention one thing. Eric Skokelin, a uh, super middleweight uh, fighter. He's a, a contender. He fought... Uh, a uh, very exciting and brutal fight against Callum Smith back in September uh, for uh, as part of the World Boxing Super Series uh, event. Uh, apparently over the weekend he was uh, feeling ill uh, when he was uh, training and uh, uh, went to a uh, hospital and uh, ultimately was placed uh, in a medically induced coma and uh, went... Uh, uh, under surgery to uh, repair a bleed that's taken place on his brain. Uh, according to the doctors, uh, the results were good, and uh, they are expecting a recovery. However, the next uh, four or five days uh, are going to be uh, critical. So uh, everyone here uh, from the Billy C. Uh, uh, family uh, want to wish uh, uh, Eric Skokeland a speedy and uh, uh, healthy return uh, to the ring. Joining me right now uh, from St. Simons Island, Georgia, uh, with his thoughts on the uh, Lomachenko and Rigondeaux fight is Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy. How are you today, pal? Oh, I'm not doing too uh, great. Uh, well, I'm doing great, I should say. I'm doing great. Um, not doing too bad is what I was meant to say. I don't know why that right. other choice of words popped out. But what did you think of the fight? Well, you know, as you were saying, Vasily Lomachenko is 100% by the definition of the sweet science, a boxer, a fighter, a warrior. The guy is phenomenal, all right? He's in another class, another plateau, another level. He is, he is I, I, I tell you what, I can't, uh, I can't speak highly. I, I can't say enough about this guy. He just does it all, and uh, he's got the resume to prove it. He's only had about 10 professional fights, but let me tell you about it. He's got the world of experience behind him, and he's got the maturity. He's got the level of intelligence. He's, he's a fighter that uh, is a matador in the ring, and he'll take on anybody in his weight class, and he will do what he did the other night. Uh, and, uh, you know, Rigondeaux, I, uh, I don't know what the no-moss situation about the hand is all about, but uh, I know that he was not doing as well as he thought he was going to do in this fight. And uh, I give him credit to step in the ring with Lomachenko. But, boy, I'll tell you why. Lomachenko just destroyed him. Just just almost no moss embarrassed him. Uh, in case you were, uh, if you're a boxing fan and you were living under a rock this past weekend, Vasily Lomachenko uh, stopped uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux over the weekend. Um, basically, Rigondeaux quit. Uh, before the start of the seventh round, Lomachenko improves to 10 wins, one loss with eight of his W's coming by knockout. And uh, Rigondeaux, um, you know, uh, loses for the first time uh, in his career. Um, clearly was uh, 
uh, outclassed in this fight. Um, I was waiting for something to start with him, uh, yes. but he just couldn't uh, get it going. I mean, I, I think credit goes to Lomachenko uh, for pretty much heading him off at the pass, uh, heading him off at every turn that Rigondeau tried to uh, to do. One of the things that I like the best about uh, Lomachenko is that, first of all, he's fluid in the ring uh, in every way, shape, or form. His hands, his delivery of the punches, his footwork, his head movement from a defensive standpoint. But the thing I like about him, and I believe he learned it in his fight against Orlando Salido, uh, was the simple fact that, listen, if a fighter's going to do something to you, uh, maybe do something above and beyond the rules, and the referee chooses not to say anything or do anything about it, you give him something right back, and that neutralizes it. And that's exactly what Lomachenko did. Uh, you know, Rigondeau started getting in a position where he felt that uh, his, uh, his time was starting to get numbered. Uh, his patented move of holding the uh, uh, head down of an opponent and then hitting him or, uh, or getting a cheap shot in at the break uh, when a referee calls break. Uh, Lomachenko had no part of it. Uh, he gave it right back uh, to Rigondeau. And quite honestly, Sal, Rigondeau didn't have any answers for this guy, a guy that was regarded as a pound-for-pound uh, pound top fighter, and I'm talking about Rigondeau, and certainly he is, um, had no answers. I do not think it had anything to do with the size. They both look physically the same size. Uh, maybe it had something to do with the age, uh, although Rigondeau didn't have a lot of mileage on him. I, I don't know if you could find any, any excuse, um, but I will say this. There were no excuses. I think Lomachenko just showed that he's the far superior fighter. And quite honestly, there's not a fighter in pro boxing, and there hasn't been a fighter in pro boxing for the, the last 15 years that can comes close to Lomachenko's ability inside the ring. What's your thoughts? No, I, I tell you, you hit it right on the head, Bill. I mean, he, he had an answer for anything and everything that uh, that uh, uh, Rigondeau was going to try and do. He anticipated. The guy is such a ringmaster. I mean, he, he showed it all. He was able to move. He was able to get in. He was able to, to avoid the punches. And he just, he was having fun. I mean, the guy is a ringmaster. And, and that's, that's, that's all you need to know. This guy had an answer for anything and everything that he was going to face in Rigondeau. And Rigondeau knew it because uh, the fighter fighter will know in his heart of hearts. He said, wow, what, what, what else do I have to do? And this was simply a Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran uh, rematch uh, where Duran threw up his hands and said, no mas. This was just another version of it because Rigondeau had nowhere to go, nowhere else to hide. And he just, just said, ah, forget about it. You know, I can't do this. I'm not going to beat this guy. This guy has an answer for everything I'm trying to do, in my opinion, my humble opinion. You know, we'll get back to this fight uh, a little bit later uh, and, and really get in-depth uh, with the post-fight analysis uh, of this fight. I just want to get some other fights uh, out of the way real quick. One thing I do want to mention about the Lomachenko, what I love is when he, you know, if, if a fighter was holding him, like Rigondeaux was really holding him a lot. Yes. And uh, he would turn around and give like three or four quick little taps to the chin uh, as they were breaking up, which is just... You know, a little sign. Hey, dude, I'm here, and uh, holding's not going to work with me. And 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 I, I think you're right. I I think uh, uh, ringing down mentally, uh, just uh, he, it was over for him. But uh, anyway, shut down. we'll get back uh, to that in a second. Some other fights on that card. 
uh, Michael Conlon, a 2016 Olympian, Olympian uh, uh, went the distance for the first time in his short professional career uh, as he won a six-round six unanimous decision over Luis uh, Fernando Molina uh, in his fight to improve to 5-0 and oh with four knockouts. All three judges scored it the same, 40-36. Uh, um, and uh, Molina uh, drops uh, the fourth fight in his career. He's 4-4-1 four, four and one, uh, in uh, uh, his pro career. Uh, in the junior lightweight division, Christopher Diaz uh, improved to 22-0 and oh with 14 knockouts when he took care of Bryant Cruz. Uh, in three rounds, Cruz drops to uh, 18 and three uh, with uh, nine knockouts. Shakur Stevenson uh, took care of Oscar Mendoza uh, via the uh, second round stoppage. Uh, Stevenson now is four and with a couple of knockouts. Uh, Mendoza drops to four and three. Uh, the official time was one minute and 38 uh, seconds uh, of uh, the second round. Um, over uh, in a fight that took place a little bit later, uh, Miguel Roman improved to 58-12 and 12 when he scored a ninth-round knockout over uh, four-time uh, world champion in a couple of different weight classes, Orlando Salido, who drops to 44-14 and 14 with four draws. Uh, what an exciting, action-packed fight this was. Uh, I think this was a clear case of... Uh, now, now, first of all, both fighters were warriors and both fighters came up the hard way you know not, they were not protected etc etc both very similar in style um both were mentally prepared both were physically prepared but in this fight sal i thought that uh, orlando salito clearly aged uh if he was not aged already he clearly aged before our eyes and he uh, acknowledged that at the end of the uh, fight what was your thoughts on this one it was, as you said, it was a great fight. It was a couple of great rounds in there, and it was ebb and flow. I had Salito winning the first early rounds, and then uh, uh, Roman came back. Uh, of course, he dropped Salito in the fourth round, which was a 10-8 round, and he dropped him again in the eighth round. Um, Roman had – he was a gamer. I mean, he Salito looked bigger. He looked more mature. He looked older, and Salito uh, looked like he was dominant early on, but I'll tell you what. I saw in the third round, they panned the camera to him in the corner. I saw the third round. He had a look on his face, Lito did. That's almost like, and I can't say, but it almost like, it's like, what am I really doing here right now? It was like, what am I going to do? He just looked like he was a beaten fighter in that third round, and he was up. I mean, he, I gave him first three rounds. So I, I don't know, but he just had a look on his face that I, I'll never forget. It was like, what am I really doing here? That's what my impression was, and we know what he was doing there. He was trying to fight and get out of the fight uh, as a winner. But uh, I'll tell you what, Roman had a good answer. He came on strong in the end, and uh, that TKO, uh, you know, pretty much depicted what I thought I saw in the third round. I, um, you know, I, that first round was a close one. I, you know, everybody said it was that uh, Salida won that round. I, I don't know. I, I thought Roman could have gotten a nod, but at the it end could've. of the day, it didn't matter uh, no. at all. Um, these two guys had a very similar style, which made it an exciting fight. Oh. Um, but, uh, but hey, Roman gets to move on and, and earn himself another big uh, shot. And uh, Salido, uh, I, I think he made the right decision. You know, he, he's been in wars. He's been down before. Uh, many times, as a matter of fact, usually comes back. Uh, both of these guys, uh, I thought uh, you mentioned the, the size. I thought 
Both of them were pretty even. They both had tree trunk legs. I mean, these are throwback fighters. What you witnessed uh, between yes. uh, uh, Roman and Salido are, are throwback fighters, meaning, you know, they come at you. Uh, they're, they're trying to inflict damage on their opponent. Uh, they're taking, not that it's right, but, you know, they're taking some shots to land some shots. Uh, their priority in the fight was to inflict damage on their opponent, regardless of what the cost um, yes. No running, uh, no hiding between these two guys, and uh, the end result was it was a memorable uh, fight. Uh, is it worthy of a, a, a 2017 fight of the year? Is it worthy of a top 10 fight of the year? Uh, maybe it was that exciting. Uh, but uh, in the uh, on the undercard, uh, Kenachi Oga uh, Ogo uh, Agawa, so, yeah. Agawa. Uh, got proved it, to got 23 <laughs> and one with 17 knockouts when he won a split decision over Tevin Farmer, who drops to 25 and three with a draw. Uh, he also claimed a uh, IBF Junior uh, lightweight belt. The way the judges scored it: 116-112, 115-113 uh, for Agawa, and uh, one judge had it: 116-112 for Farmer. Um, you know, I, I thought that this fight was close enough to go either way. I would not call this a robbery in any way, shape, or form. Uh, however, I felt the earlier part of the fight, Farmer was in control, and then the second half uh, of the fight, uh, Agawa was in control. And I think that uh, uh, you know he did uh, Agawa did land some big, powerful shots that seemed to uh, get uh, Tevin Farmer going backwards. I think that was the difference in this fight, because uh, other than that, it, it seemed uh, like it was uh, back and forth in a pretty even fight. But I think the right guy won this one. What was your thoughts, Sal? You know, it was a close one, Bill. And as as you suggested, it, it uh, I I thought uh, I thought Farmer was going to pull it out. But uh, I'll tell you what, Agawa, uh, as you suggested, he did come on later part of that fight, and um, you know, leave it to uh, leave it to Beaver. But this guy, this guy, definitely, uh, it could have gone either way, is what I'm saying. But uh, I think Agawa, you know, pulled it out. He was he was strong. He was dominant, and uh, Farmer did the best he could. He looked he looked good at, at times. He looked like I don't want to say he was struggling, but he looked like he was uh, uh, getting a little frustrated. He, his his punches weren't landing as crisp or as often, and and uh, Agawa kept having an answer too for him too. He kept coming back stronger and stronger. So it was a good fight. I enjoyed the fight, and uh, Agawa definitely. Uh, Definitely got the right nod. Uh, also uh, on that card, uh, former super featherweight champ uh, Francisco Vargas improved to 24-1 and one with a couple of draws uh, when he won a ninth-round technical decision over uh, Stephen Smith, who drops to 25-4. and four. Uh, The fight was scheduled for 10 rounds, but a uh, clash of heads uh, forced the uh, uh, fight to go to the scorecards. Um, this was uh, an entertaining fight. Uh, Vargas is... Uh, uh, a uh, a come at your fighter and and I really I thought Stephen Smith did better than I thought he would, um, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, uh, next for Vargas. Um, some other fights just to just to get out of the way real quick. Khalib Truax upsets um, James DeGalle, uh with a twelve round majority decision to pick up his belt, and I'm talking about his meaning uh, Chunky DeGal's belt. Khalib uh, uh, Truax goes to 29-3 uh, and three with a couple of draws. DeGal loses the second time in his career, 23-12-1. 114-114 was the way one judge scored it. 
Uh, one had it uh, 115, 112. The other had it 116, 112. Uh, all in favor of uh, Truax. Uh, Degal was a huge favorite in this fight. I didn't think that uh, Truax had a chance, to be honest with you. Uh, talk about aging quickly. Uh, Degali uh, seemed to have aged uh, uh, between his last fight and this fight. Um, no disrespect to Khalib Truax, but I, I would have never even put him in the same discussion as James DeGal. Just goes to show you how quickly uh, you lose uh, uh, lose your uh, position. Uh, so hats off to uh, the new uh, IBF super middleweight champion. Uh, also, uh, Lee Selby uh, won a 12-round uh, unanimous decision over Eduardo Ramirez to improve to 21-1 with nine knockouts. Uh, the way the judges scored that, Ramirez drops a 20-1 with three uh, draws. The way the judges scored at 118-110, I don't know where that score came from. And also, a fight that I wanted to mention real quick in the heavyweight division, Daniel Dubois, Triple D, if you will, stops Dorian Darch in the second round to improve to 6-0 with six knockouts. He also dropped Dorian Darch in the first round. Darch had a uh, hell of a time getting out of that first round. Uh, he drops to 12-6-1. We're going to keep an eye on uh, Daniel Dubois, uh, a very impressive uh, heavyweight uh, to keep an eye on. And speaking of heavyweights, I'm going to talk about the uh, Luis Ortiz fight against uh, Daniel Martz as soon as we come back from break. And the WWE-like <sighs> feeling I got from that one, Sal, I'm sure you felt the same yeah. way. We're both oh, going to talk about, about that uh, in about uh, two minutes, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, uh, we just uh, gave you the results of uh, uh, Triple D. That's Daniel Dubois. Improved to 6-0 with six knockouts on Saturday when he beat uh, uh, Dorian Darch. One thing I will say about this, I don't know if you saw this fight, Sal, but, uh, uh, and I just am commenting uh, uh, on the, uh, some comments in the chat room. He did take some shots. Uh, Darch did land some shots, and you know he seemed like he was susceptible to somebody that comes right at him and throws quick punches. Something similar to what I see with uh, Deontay Wilder at times. Uh, you know when you when you get in their wheelhouse and let your hands go, they 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 immediately move back. Now, granted, uh, uh, Dubois is uh, only six professional fights under his belt, but did did you watch that fight or no? No, I missed that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Go back and watch that one. But uh, okay, now for the uh, uh, the WWE. I'm I'm sorry, uh, not the WWE event. Uh, the uh, uh, ESPN uh, event uh, that took place uh, on uh, on Friday. Um, I'm sorry, on Saturday uh, before the uh, um, 
before the uh, uh, actually no, this fight was Friday. This was on Friday FS1. Night, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The uh, ESPN. I'm getting them confused. We saw so many uh, There's so many fights we this weekend. We saw ESPN and we saw HBO. I mean, uh, we saw yes. a bunch of great fights on uh, easy to watch television. But do Ortiz against Daniel Mars. Now this was the uh, co-main event. The main event, Jean Pascal. I I, I had a feeling he was going to win this fight. He did announce that. This was his last professional fight, and he came out and uh, did exactly what I thought. I, I know I was in the minority, but Ahmed Ibiliai just never stepped in the ring with anyone with the cal the, of the caliber of Jean Pascal. Now, now, granted, Jean Pascal has not been the same, and his skill set has clearly eroded. He's turned into uh, a very, uh, <clears throat> let's just say, uh, heavy mileage fighter. But he did enough uh, to beat uh, Ibiliai when he stopped him in the sixth round. Jean Pascal, according to him, ended his career with 32 wins, five losses, and a draw. Uh, Ibiliai loses for the first time in his career, 16-1 now with 13 knockouts. I think this was a clear case, Sal, of a fighter who is not given the opportunity to increase their level of opposition. Ibiliai showed that he's got some skill, and he showed that he's got a granite chin. But he didn't know what else to do. I mean, this has been this is a perfect example of why I get so uh, pissed off when fighters are coddled and overprotected by their management. And here is a great example: you you put this kid in, you have him up to sixteen and zero with thirteen knockouts. Everybody knows Jean Pascal is faded and done at thirty five. So you want to put the name on his resume on the Billy eyes. But the problem is he's never fought anybody with that much experience. And I think that in the end, the right guy won the fight. And no one should blame Abilii. They should blame his management. What's your thoughts? Well, that's a good way to look at it, Bill. And I think it's it's pretty close and right on. But, you know, Abilii, this was a definite learning curve that he uh, didn't anticipate. And he wasn't exposed to, as you suggested, in the beginning or any time throughout his early career. And uh, what you found was uh, an experienced old KG fighter who uh, found a way to win one more time. And uh, he did it by taking advantage of this guy's inexperience and not knowing the ropes that uh, as well as everyone hoped he would have had uh, done so in, in his corner. So it was a clear example. of it. It, was, it, was, it was right there. You saw it. What you see is what you got. Well, I just blame, uh, you know, th this is a, and for all you young fighters out there that have management, you know, this is why you want to increase your level of opposition so you can prepare yourself and learn some of these, uh, you know, tricks of the trade, so to speak, when and, and be prepared when you get your opportunity. Um, you know, Ibiliai was not prepared. And, you know, as a fighter, you fight whoever they put in front of you. So you can't really blame him. I blame the yeah. management. And now, um, you know, in a sense, he's taken a step back. You know, if he would have increased his level of opposition a little bit along the way. When, when I looked at his resume, I, I saw the same types of fighters for the last two years. You know, they have not increased him at all. You know, and that does not help develop a fighter. I'm sorry. It doesn't. But uh, anyway, after the fight, Jean Pascal said it was a beautiful fight. I knew it would be my last one, and I wanted to make a statement against a young, unbeaten fighter. It he went did. basically as I expected, a couple of difficult moments, but I was able to do everything I wanted. You know, to me, Sal, a fighter that has a successful career, one that, you know, ends up with world titles and, and fame and money and all of that, I, I think it's important 
to go out like Jean Pascal did, facing a real opponent, a real live opponent, an opponent that is is actually you're the opponent for, and and make a statement like that. I can't stand when fighters that have a, a, a great pedigree go out just against a punching bag. I mean, what is that proven? I, I mean, it gives them one last shot of, of, of performing in front of a crowd, but that's it. I think Jean Pascal, this fight could probably, um, you know, linger on in his mind and, and be more important to him than even capturing a title. I mean, he went, he went and beat a guy that was early in his career, an undefeated fighter that was basically supposed to make quick work of him, and he came out on top. What's your thoughts? I think you're right on, and you know he'll remember this forever. And uh, you know it's like that old saying: a fighter that earns a victory over an easy fight is like the morning dew; it'll soon leave his memory. But a fighter that earns a victory that's born of blood, sweat, and tears and years of uh, experience is more likely to stay with him than his entire life. And that's what this one will do. And he did it, and uh, my hat's off to him. KG old veteran did what he had to do, and he won. Now. For the fight uh, of the weekend, the fight. Uh, and I don't mean that uh, seriously, but uh, no, no, uh, Luis uh, King Kong Ortiz improved to twenty-eight zero with twenty-four knockouts when he scored a second-round yes. annihilation of Daniel Martz, um, forty-three seconds into the second round, uh, to be exact. Um, you know, Martz was <laughs> down in the first round uh, due to a body shot. Body shot that uh, looked like it. I mean. Listen, I I know uh, Martz, and I don't. I feel bad for him because he really wants to fight. He's never fought. Uh, nobody's really teaching this kid, and no. his management is basically building him up to get some paydays like this. And uh, the sad part about it is he's he risks getting hurt. Um, but but this fight, what what I got out of this fight was a couple of things. One. I thought, and I'm a big fan of Ortiz, okay? And he was in there with a guy that is supposed to make him look good. But I got news for you. I thought Ortiz looked slow. I thought uh, he looked uh, slow and vulnerable. Um, This fight was clearly a setup uh, for him and Deontay Wilder, uh, making it sound like they are controlling the heavyweight division, uh, mentioned uh, several times along with the announcing team, which made it even worse, uh, that... uh, you know, Anthony Joshua's uh, ducking them, so they have to fight each other. But if this was not an M- a WWE event, I don't know what was. I, w- I couldn't help but think that I was going to see Vince McMahon and Mean Gene Oakland and come out of the background. Um, you know, I, it was a joke. Deontay Wilder said, I've wanted you, and I'm going to uh, bless you again with another opportunity. I was ready for the first time. This, this is a new day for you. I think you're one of the best heavyweights in the world. I want to prove that I'm the best. We got to fight each other. You'll have your fight. Ortiz says, Anthony Joshua doesn't want to fight either of us. Let's give the world this fight. There'll be no excuses. I'll be ready to do this for Cuba. I mean, uh, Deontay Wilder went as far as saying that, uh, you know, the the knockout that he put on Bermain Stavern was him actually thinking it was Luis Ortiz. I, I mean, this was so set up, Sal. I, it was sickening. What's your thoughts? It was. I mean, I mean, uh, even a commentary when they said, "Well, how big is this guy? Six seven? Wasn't that Deontay Wilder size?" I mean, come on. It, it was. Uh, it, it was just as you said, and, and a poor guy. 
uh, I'll tell you, Mart, he, he just looked like a punching bag. He was just there for a little bit, and uh, the one punch in the solar plexus put him down the first, and then he just went, he ate that right hand in the second, and that was it, man. This guy, you know, I... As you said, Luis Ortiz, it didn't really help him by any any way of testing him or, or giving him a real thorough workout or work off some rust. And uh, he just did what he had to do. And I'll tell you, Bill, to me, Ortiz, because there wasn't much of a fight, he just looked average in a sense. And uh, and as you suggested, with uh, Deontay Wilder jumping up in the ring, I'm ready for this, I'm going to do this, and touting his horn, and, and Anthony Joshua doesn't want any part of us and all that. That's if if you I left you a message saying it's hard to imagine that uh, uh, that Deontay Wilder is the best heavyweight champ or heavyweight out there when you look at the opposition look what he's going to have to face and stuff and um, even though he has a style I think he's going to beat Ortiz I, I have no doubt he's going to beat Ortiz and uh, I think he's just going to be too fast for him and too uh, like we said that junk drunken octopus mode that he goes into. Uh, will be too much for Ortiz to handle. But I think we're going to see that fight before we see Joshua. Of course we're going to see that fight. That fight's already made. That's going to be the fight we see in early um, 2018. You're going to see Ortiz fight uh, Wilder. They're going to bill it like it's the heavyweight fight. But let me tell you, I'm with you. I don't see Ortiz beating Wilder. I think they waited long enough, Team Wilder, uh, for Ortiz to age. Uh, he's not the same fighter. He showed me nothing. And you're right. I, yeah. My same exact sentiment. I think that uh, he Ortiz looked ordinary against a guy he should have destroyed anyway. To me, he looked slow. He did look like he was in decent shape. Wilder did right. admit to that. Um, but uh, but Ortiz, I think the reason why he fought this fight was just it was it was a staged fight to get these two. I mean, if you watch what happened. They had Ortiz out there, and the commentators are saying, "Oh, look at the fans mobbing Ortiz, uh, mobbing Wilder. He, no matter where he goes, fans are all around. Everybody knows who Wilder is." I'm saying to myself, "You know how funny is that? We had just talked about the fact that nobody knows who the hell he is. You know, it's not true that you know, even in New York, that he calls his second home. Nobody knows who he is. You know, maybe uh, in a boxing venue they know who he is, but on the street they don't." You know, you got Anthony Joshua busting through plate glass windows to open up uh, stores or demolition of stores or whatever. You know, that's a a guy that's, you know, able to do that. Um, And and I'm not saying because he's powerful. I'm saying be able to have the interest in somebody to hire him to do that uh, is uh, it's it speaks volumes. But uh, anyway, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got more on uh, on this and also some emails and uh, we're going to get deeper. Uh, into the uh, Lomachenko victory. Is he the best pound-for-pound fighter that we've seen in 10, 15, even 20 years? Might be. I'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. 
glad you could be with us. And uh, just before we went to break, we were talking about uh, Luis Ortiz's victory over Daniel Martz. But really, uh, that wasn't as entertaining as the WWE uh, setup. You know, you had a Wilder down uh, sitting at the thing, and they were pointing at each other. And I don't know if you caught this, but as they have Ortiz in the ring talking uh, about his victory, they literally came over and got they, an escort, got Wilder, picked him up from the thing, and brought him back onto the ring. This was all a staged event, Sal. And it was sickening to listen to the commentators who were playing it up like, I mean, boxing is supposed to be real. You know, um, it's not supposed to be WWE. It's not supposed to be theater, you know, theatrics and all of this crap. Uh, But they certainly made it that way. And I guess the young fans are into that, which is sad. And it's the same thing happened with the ESPN broadcast without Teddy Atlas. You had... Uh, got, you know, it's just total imbeciles, you know, it, it, that the, the guy, Mark Kriegel, doesn't know anything about boxing. And to have Stephen A. Smith in the mix, I mean, what a clown. I, I, I mean, I, to tell you the truth, I've lost a lot of respect for ESPN. FS1 I never even looked at because they are an MMA, WWE type of a network to begin with. I mean, that's their presentation. So, uh, but ESPN really took a couple of steps back. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I do. You know, when you, at least when you have Teddy Atlas down there, he it, it's kind of a grounded show. I mean, you know, he he pulls everybody in because he he's not afraid to say anything he wants to say, which is why he wasn't saying what he had to say this time. Um, basically, like I said, uh, whether you like him or not, Teddy Atlas does bring a little bit of a, a reality shot and a little bit of level-headed boxing analysis to, to, the, to the spectrum, to the, to the venue. And uh, without it there, these guys were uh, loose cannons and uh, just, just inept where they were and, and not having the clarity or the insight or the anticipation of what to, what to say next other than just, just reporting. You know, that's that's my assessment of what I saw. Um, in the NFL yesterday, the Bills oh, beat the uh, Colts thirteen to seven in overtime. The Bears over the Bengals thirty three to seven. The Packers topped the Browns. Uh, I believe that game went to overtime too. Twenty seven twenty one. The Chiefs over the Raiders twenty six fifteen. The Cowboys uh, took care of the Giants even with Eli thirty to ten. The Lions beat the Bucks twenty four twenty one. The Panthers over the Vikings thirty one twenty four. The 49ers win the second game of the season, 26-16 to over the Texans. The Broncos beat up the hapless Jets, 23 to nothing. Uh, you know, I, I hope the Jets don't win another game. I hope their coach gets fired. I hope McNown never throws another football again. I, I can't say enough about the hapless Jets. The Cardinals beat the Titans, Titans 12-7. to The Chargers over the Redskins, 30-13. to The Eagles... Beat the Rams forty-three to thirty-five, but they lost their quarterback. What a blow to the Eagles, who I thought uh, may have been uh, the best team in uh, football. The Jaguars over the Seahawks thirty to twenty-four, and the Steelers squeaked by the Ravens thirty-nine thirty-eight. Uh, in the NBA, the Raptors topped the Kings one hundred two at eighty-seven. The Celtics uh, beat the Pistons ninety-one eighty-one. Uh, the Pacers beat the Nuggets one twenty-six one sixteen in overtime. The Timberwolves beat the Mavericks ninety-seven ninety-two. The Pelicans over the 76ers, 131-124. And the Knicks beat the uh, Hawks, 111-107. In the National Hockey League, the Maple Leafs shut out the Oilers, one zip. 
The Blues beat the Sabres 3-2 in overtime. The Wild over the Sharks 4-3 in overtime. And the Blackhawks beat the Coyotes 3-1. I got some emails, Sal. This one, first one is from Willie. He says, wow, what a dream talent Lomachenko is. I love watching him work his magic against Rigondeau. He was amazing. Rigondeau was getting his ass handed to him. It turns out Rigondeau is a, uh, a defeatist and a bad looter. Loser, him quitting like that immediately brought back memories of Roberto Duran, annoyed by the ease uh, with which uh, Sugar Ray Leonard was beating him in 1980, he turned his back and quit. One thing I want to add about that no Moss fight that bothers me to this day, you know, the frustration of Roberto Duran caused him to say no Moss. Um, Correct. You know, it, it wasn't as much of a quitting on the stool as Rigandau did. Um, no. I think that the, the issue with Roberto, I know that the issue with Roberto Duran is he was a warrior. He was a guy that wanted to go in there and, you know, mano a mano. You know, who's the best fighter? Let's duke it out. Let's, let's you know, go in there and, and see who's the man. And Sugar Ray Leonard was dancing around, hitting him with shots, running away from him. And that's what uh, got, you know, Duran frustrated and ultimately uh, uh, quitting. No mas. The Rigandau fight was totally different because Lomachenko... Uh, was doing whatever he wanted, and he wasn't running. The guy was right there. Rigandau couldn't hit him, couldn't do anything, and, and Lomachenko was right in front of him. You know, at, at, at any given time, Lomachenko was not more than three feet away. The furthest he got away is when he would circle around him, do a complete 360 around him. <laughs> I, I, I mean, and, you know, spinning uh, Rigandau around, totally different. I get what people are saying in terms of the, the just the, the quitting factor, but the difference in the fight, and no disrespect to Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, the difference in this fight is Lomachenko is a guy that's right there, and you can't hit him, but he's hitting you. That's the sweet science, boys and girls. Please don't look at it any other way. Floyd Mayweather did not show us the sweet science. He showed us how to hit and run, hit and run, hit and run. Lomachenko does not do that. So I hope that uh, you know, a lot of you fans out there got an edumacation because uh, the truth of the matter is, is uh, Vasily Lomachenko is the definition of sweet science. Sorry about that, but uh, anyway, he says uh, I noticed that Rigandau, uh did not didn't give Lomachenko any credit for winning the fight. He probably thought that he was the uh, best until he'd gone a few rounds with Lomachenko. What a kick in the teeth that must have been for him. In retrospect, he didn't have much chance at all, did he? I hope Lomachenko keeps nice and busy next year. That's if he can find anyone who's willing to fight him. I just want to see more of him, and I'm sure we, we all do. Bob Arum was right when he said, you can't do anything with him. He's untouchable. I'm waiting to hear news about Rigandau's injured hand. If that isn't broke... Uh, the powers that be might be seeking to keep some of his purse back because of him quitting uh, as early as he did. I doubt it. I doubt it. He went, you know, they're not going to They're not gonna uh, uh, withhold any of his money. He says, hey, Billy C., guess what? The mystery secret USB stick is back in the news. Vladimir Klitschko is putting it up for auction along with the Roby War for the fight against Anthony Joshua. Apparently the stick uh, has been sewn into the garment. Klitschko said, and I quote, I will auction my robe, which I was wearing at my last boxing fight ever, and you can get it. The new owner will find my prediction before the fight on a USB stick that's been sewed in. Uh, the Klitschko wow. Foundation for Underprivileged Children will benefit from the proceeds. The auction will take place on December 13th. 
Uh, I'll finish off by saying I love the show more and more as time goes by. I can't get enough of it. And I have a favor to ask. Please sing the 12 Days of Christmas for us again this year. It was great. For yes. Us. Sexy ring car girls, etc. I won't <laughs> sing it, but I, I will... Uh, I will post it somewhere. Maybe I'll play it on the on the uh, show. We'll I, both I don't know. sing it, Bill. We could sing it. Well, I, it's it's my version of it, Sal. Obviously, you don't know. What I know he's that. Talking about. I heard it. Um, it's great. With it's brilliant. The, with the maximum of respect to you, Willie, a funny guy. So Sal calls me. Uh, the joke <laughs> I mentioned to you in the previous uh, email goes like this: A guy in the next cell to me in prison told me he was doing time for shagging dogs. I looked at him disgustedly and said, "How low can you get?" And the guy said, uh, down to a Jack Russell. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, Sal, um, Lomachenko, uh, thanks for the email, Willie. Lomachenko, I think, displayed that uh, uh, he's clearly uh, eons above. Um, uh, I, I can't recall of a fighter that has displayed this kind of control uh, over an opponent in the ring uh, for for a long time. I, I as a matter of fact, I, I can't think of any that come to mind. Uh, how about you? No, I mean I, we talked about it yesterday at work. I mean I, I, I told a lot of my my uh, my staff to watch this fight, and we 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 were watching it right there in the restaurant. And uh, I'll tell you what, they all agreed. They 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 didn't know where this guy came from. They never saw anything like it. And I'll tell you what, Lomachenko picked up a lot of fans last night because of his ability, because of what he does. He he is a rare breed. He's unique. He's another version of what boxing needs today. Uh, he's a warrior. He's got a relentless mentality, mindset. He's a winner. He trains uh, above and beyond what the average fighter may even consider a workout. Uh and he is just a superior fighter on a world class stage. Uh, a fighter like this doesn't come on doesn't come on a stage every every day. And uh, in fact, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard was reared and and, and earned uh, the ability to prove that he was something special as well. And I'll tell you what, let let it be known that uh, Vasily Lomachenko is of that special breed, that special mode that does not come into the ring every year, every day. And this guy is very, very special. And I think he's going to have a brilliant career. I just hope they don't try to move him up because I think he's a great junior lightweight. And, uh, you know, I could see the people saying he's going to be a lightweight or junior welterweight or welterweight. I think right now he's brilliant at, at the weight class he is. I agree with you 100%. It's tough because you know he's not going to have that many dance partners. Yeah. They're going to they're going to try to talk him into moving up. There's already discussion of him moving up to fight Mikey Garcia at 135. I, I you know the the thing about Lomachenko is that Rigondeaux prevented him from showing us if he could finish off an opponent. You mentioned Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard uh, was a, was a master at finishing. His opponent. Yes, he if he was. saw his opponent hurt, he went in for the kill. You didn't survive. You didn't. Sugar no. Ray Leonard didn't let you off the hook. Uh, Never. Neither did Sugar Ray Robinson. You know these no. great fighters, these all-time great fighters, don't let you off the hook once they set it. And I believe Lomachenko is similar to that. I think Rigondeaux deprived us of that, or at least to see if Lomachenko could have uh, finished off his opponent. Remember, he's only got eleven pro fights. Uh, so <laughs> I, I mean. Uh, uh, so the so the jury's still out on him, but all of a sudden the fan bases are going to start uh, co trying to coax him to move up. I think Mikey yep. Garcia is too big for him. 
Uh, and Mikey Garcia uh, displayed that he doesn't have the power at the bigger weights. I think Lomachenko and his team uh, should uh, look at that. Uh, I know one of his goals, Lomachenko, is to be regarded as the best ever um, in, in the sport. He's well on his way, but you can't, you can't you know, uh, do things that are um, you know, uh, impossible. And, and although I do respect fighters that move up and, and take on challenges, uh, Lomachenko could uh, easily take on and clean up uh, the division he's in right now. And, and when there's not anyone left, then consider moving up. He should rip a page out of uh, other fighters' books and uh, let Mikey Garcia uh, evolve, uh, get a little bigger, get a little older. Uh, but uh, Lomachenko right now, uh, the best uh, fighter pound for pound in, in the sport of boxing today. Uh, got another email. This is from uh, our buddy Matt Quinn out of Buffalo who was ringside. He says uh, both of our uh, Friday predictions were right in a way. What are you talking about? I picked Lomachenko. I picked uh, so Jean I. Pascal. Uh, he says uh, Lomachenko cracked the Rigondeaux puzzle and won big via a stoppage. With that being said, we both didn't predict the complete domination and quitting of okay, I agree of no. a pound for pound fighter in his biggest fight. I was shocked to see Rigo completely neutralized and turned into a joke before our eyes, uh, de uh, developing into uh, dirty tactics, divulging into dirty tactics clinches and simply lowering his head down as to a, attempt to kiss his butt and uh, career goodbye was not quite the performance anyone was hoping for. When the main bout started at Madison Square Garden, uh, there was a split between Rigondeau and Lomachenko chance. The first round being mostly a feel-out kept the chance alive. By the end of the second, though, Rigo chance had got uh, subsided. Uh, from my vantage point, Rigo was completely outcast, classed, and outworked from the second round on. The hard straight left in the sixth and the triple uppercut. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, by Lomachenko <laughs> with two main highlights uh, to have seen live. I felt the hard straight left hurt Rigondeau and was one of the contributing factors to him quitting. I was on my phone texting friends updates after the sixth round and was shocked to hear no moss out of Rigondeau's corner. I spoke to the fans around me and opined uh, that the point for excessive Holding was a bridge too far for the jackal. Uh, the phantom hand injury from air punching excuse was pathetic for such a talented fighter. His biggest fight to have to quit will undoubtedly tarnish and finish his career for good. Lomachenko, on the other hand, showcases an incredible domination and masterpiece by the later claim as the pound-for-pound -pound king of boxing. His footwork speed and strings and combinations, will not, uh, while not getting hit, was seeing the definition of the sweet science before our very eyes. Although not the classic we were hoping for, I'm thankful I was fortunate enough to be there at such a bout. No event has the electricity or excitement of a live fight, let alone a super fight. After the bout, I wound up uh, at uh, Jack Doyle's on 35th Street for Lomp Lomachenko's uh, after-fight party while drinking a Goose Island IPA. I was able to personally congratulate the champ as he strolled into wow. his own party. I now understand the opt-repeated line, shake the hand that shook the world. It's actually shake the hand that shook the hand of the hand. It, it was a thing that started out with uh, John L. Sullivan. But a great thing. Matt also great, sent me some uh, photos from where he was sitting. Looked like he had a great vantage point. Matt, I'm glad you had such a good time. Uh, and I think he's right. You know, I, I think that this performance, Lomachenko, very well may have ruined uh, a great career by, by Rigondeau, and, and people are going to look at him now. Uh, they may He's, he's going to be a forgotten guy. I think Lomachenko did that to him on Saturday, Sal. What do you think? 
Bill, you know, what is one of my favorite sayings? You're only as good as your last fight. That's what people are going to remember. And Rigondeaux is going to be remembered right now as a quitter. Not all the victories he's had before, not what he's done in a ring before, but literally that he couldn't touch Lomachenko. He couldn't get out of first gear, and he wound up not answering the bell for the eighth round. And uh, due to an injured hand, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe, and uh, and that right there is just enough that saying, saying for his future bouts that may be that, wow, let's see what happens this time. It's not an, it's not a definitive moment for him to say, hey, he's going to automatically win or he's great or he's this and that because we just saw he was as good as his last fight. And what he showed us was uh, was not what a lot of fans on his on his team or in his corner were hoping to find from Rigondeaux. Uh, we got another last email. This is from my man, Henry. He says, first and foremost, it's been a long time. Billy C., happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you so much, Henry. And uh, same to you, my man. Um, I thought we uh, lost you forever. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, you went under uh, uh, a different handle for uh, the longest time. I won't get into that. But uh, uh, we did miss his uh, back and forth uh, comments uh, over the years. But uh, he says, I just need your input on this weekend's fight cards in what uh, I, among others, thought would be a great historical fight. Lomachenko, in my eyes, was just uh, too much for an older and smaller Rigondeaux. I myself picked Lomachenko, but I really didn't expect him to dominate the way he did. I don't think anybody did, Henry, honestly. No, I mean, right. we, all, we all thought it was going to be a good fight, but I, I don't think anybody really expected him to, to dominate the way he did. So you're not alone. He said, the angles, the foot speed, uh, he just has a history of making fighters quit. I think Rigondeau realized coming up two weight uh, divisions was a, big, uh, was a big ask. So what's your thoughts on where each fighter goes on from here. Uh, Mikey Garcia versus Lomachenko, to me, has the best shot uh, to beat him if he goes up in weight. Then James... Okay, first and foremost, before I move on, you know, <clears throat> Friday and, and Thursday, I, I talked a lot... Oh, not Thursday. Wednesday and Friday, I talked a lot about the size difference. And, you know, I, I really thought that that was going to be an issue in this fight. However, fight night... They did not look any different in size. Uh, they did have a rehydration clause, which kept um, Lomachenko, uh, you know, around the same size as as uh, as Rigondeaux. And and in the ring, I, I did not think Lomachenko looked that much bigger. I think that that is reason to also know that Lomachenko actually moved up uh, in, to fight this, you know, in in the weight class that he's fighting now. You know, so I mean, he was actually uh, in a lower weight class. So. Uh, no, and as far as him moving up to fight Mikey Garcia, yes, they've talked about that. But remember something, Mikey Garcia can make 135, but he also fought uh, at Junior Welter uh, at 140, and he's also talked about uh, being able to move up to, to 147. This is a guy that's way physically bigger than Lomachenko, and I don't understand why a lot of fans today uh, constantly expect fighters to move up in weight. Again, if we went back to same-day weigh-ins, I don't think you would be able to see this kind of flexibility uh, moving up and down in weights because we're not getting a true representation of weight classes on fight night, although we kind of had two similar-sized guys uh, in this fight. Anyway, he says the James DeGal fight, who I thought uh, at one time was one of boxing's best, looked like a shot fighter to me. He was taking too much punishment, and a shoulder injury didn't help him uh, at all. But with uh, all that said, congratulations to uh, Truax, um, he says, for going overseas to seize the opportunity. 
and bring the belt back to the States. And finally, a final farewell to two great fighters, Jean Pascal and Orlando Salido, uh, both the solid fighters and will be missed. I agree with you there, and uh, I agree with uh, Khalib Truax, although I didn't give him a chance, but I agree that uh, James DeGal looks like a completely uh, shot fighter uh, at this point, and it, it happens overnight, uh, that's for sure. Uh, back to the original question, where does Lomachenko go from here, Sal? Um, you know, I'd like to see him just beat everybody in that division, if he hasn't already, and uh, then consider moving up. He's still a young guy. He's not 30 yet. I mean, what do you think he should do at this point? Like I said earlier, Bill, I think uh, he should not rush to become a lightweight or anything else. I mean, even I think it would even rehydration process 24 hours later. I think they said he was about 140 pounds, but that's that's not I think where he should be right now in a fight. I think his his weight um, uh, class as a junior lightweight. I think he'll reign there for as long as he'd like. Uh, I, I I could see him maybe going up to a lightweight. And uh, but his body's got to mature a little bit. I think maybe in a year or so, year or two, uh, he'll probably fill in as a lightweight. But uh, right now, I don't think he should rush himself out of the junior lightweights. He can rule that. He's king of it. And you know, this guy wants to be something special in boxing. And what we all saw the other night, uh, he nullified Rigandow, who Rigandow is undefeated. Was undefeated. Nobody wanted to fight Rigandow. And what he did to Rigandow was was. Just unbelievable. He nullified anything that this guy could provide. And it was it was a no-moss fight, and uh, I'll be surprised, unless his hand's in a cast. Uh, but how many times have we even heard of fighters fighting with a broken hand? Come on. It happens all the time. They don't just quit. Um, so I don't know. I think that this is a, this is a big moment for – uh, Lomachenko. I think he is a special fighter. I think he is a face of boxing today, and I think he is is leaving his fans wanting to see more. And what else could we get from a fighter? This guy is so exciting, electrifying, that he is going to draw a lot of people into boxing when they say, hey, you got to watch Lomachenko. you got to see what this guy could do. Right now, as a junior lightweight, he'll give us all that and more. You know, the thing is, the thing is, is that the thing. Rigandow knew that he didn't have a chance, you know, and that's why he decided that it yes. was over. Now, as far as as far as uh, uh, Lomachenko, you know, the, the sad part of it is we've talked about this many, many times on this show. You need the right dance partners in order to, to get into that, you know, historical uh, pers- people who look at you from a historical perspective you know, all-time great, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately for Lomachenko, he doesn't really have those dance partners in this weight division. And I think he's already the best of the weight. So, I mean, that's what's going to persuade him to move up. Now, when and if and how he moves up uh, in weight, you know, it seems like his uh, uh, team, specifically his father, has calculated and thought out everything that Lomachenko has done from the day he was born up until this point. Uh, they were making some comments during the broadcast. You know, when did you decide that Lomachenko, when did you decide Vasily was going to be a great fighter? And he said before he was conceived. You know, I, I mean, that's, uh, you know, a pretty heavy statement. Um, so, so I, you know, the truth of the matter is, is I would think that, um, that 
the fight uh, between Lomachenko and Mikey Garcia is going to be the one everybody wants to see. And I, and yes. I, I just don't know if that's the right fight for Lomachenko yet. Um, I, you know, it, it is a, a bigger fight. I, I, can he knock out Mikey Garcia? Um, I, probably not. Mikey Garcia has displayed a, a granite chin. I don't think Lomachenko has that one-punch knockout accumulation, yes. But, you know, in order to accumulate... Uh, those kind of punches to stop Mikey Garcia, you got to be in Mikey Garcia's wheelhouse. Mikey Garcia has stepped up to every single challenge he's faced. It would be a great fight. I just don't think physically um, it's even at all. Uh, Mikey Garcia will be the way bigger fighter. It's a tough. It's a tough one. Great fighters do great things. It's what I was yes. critical over. Um, Floyd, what's his name? Never challenged himself. You know, never, uh, never did great things uh, that wasn't you know a smokescreen. You know, Lomachenko wants to do great things. So as much as it doesn't sound like he should, it sounds like he will. You know what I mean? Uh, he doesn't. He shouldn't, yes. but it sounds like he will, Sal. Yes, and Bill, not to contradict ourselves. I mean, Lomachenko, he wants to be viewed as one of the very best, and he wants to do something very special in boxing and for boxing. And, you know, as you said, the, the, the dance partners available at the junior lightweight the division are going to be, if not already, depleted. Uh, so a natural gravitation would be to fight Mikey Garcia in the near future, maybe by sometime in mid to end of 2018. The fans will call for it. The promoters will put the buzz out there. And sooner or later, I think it's going to happen. And you know what? You'll have the with the 24 hours before fight weigh-in, you'll have entering the ring the night after, I mean, uh, for fight night, You'll have Lomachenko entering between 136 and 140 pounds. You'll have Mikey Garcia probably entering between 145 and 150 pounds. So, you know, it is going to be what it is. Uh, I I think, in my mind, uh, it's going to be hard uh, to get around the skill level that uh, Lomachenko does have. And I, I, would predict, I would predict right here now that Lomachenko beats Mikey Garcia, whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's a tough one. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, Dax Khan is scheduled to join us. Don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, we're back to talking about the uh, Vasily Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondeau fight. And uh, the one thing that kind of ruined this fight for me was the referee. Will Willis is just too much. How about how about the the pre-fight instructions? I mean, it was comical. He's making all these faces, trying to be funny in there. Maybe he should try a stand-up routine. I don't know. Joining us right now to get his thoughts on the fights um, is uh, my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Morning, hey, Dax. good morning. First and foremost, uh, what was your thoughts, man? Vasily Lomachenko uh, takes a Rigondeau and made him look ordinary. I mean, maybe even less than ordinary. What was your, your thoughts on the whole fight? 
Well, my first thought is, as I told Sal, this sport needs a hero so bad they're pitiful. But anyway, you know, when, when was the last time we've ever seen two fighters of that skill set in the same ring at one time? I don't mean a pound-for-pound fighter against an elite fighter, but two genuine pound-for-pound fighters with the accomplishments of Lomachenko and Rigandau, and then we see one crumble for no apparent reason. You know, it's a good question, and that's the Very problem good. with the sport that, you know, the best don't fight the best. They say they do, but they really don't. So hats off to both Rigondeaux and Lomachenko for even fighting this fight to begin with. And then to see the utter domination uh, of uh, of one over the other was, I mean, it's time. to. G- if anybody wasn't giving Lomachenko credit before this fight, it's time. You know, this. Lomachenko is, he is what he is. There's nothing to take away from his skill set. But, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. People go overboard in this sport. You know, Rigandau had trouble getting those big fights. Uh, the best in his division willing to face him. That's why he asked for this fight. And that's why I really thought he was going to dig deep. But, you know, from opening bell, he, he didn't show that extra umph. Before Lomachenko took over anything, Rigandau didn't. You know, he was uh, very happy with making uh, Rigan, uh, Lomachenko miss. Um, he was fighting the right fight at first. He was tying Lomachenko up. He was keeping him. He started frustrating him. Remember Lomachenko's team, even in the uh, dressing room when they were talking with the referee, that was their big concern about being tied up because Lomachenko gets his best work in close when he lets loose his combinations. He turns. Um, by the time their guys reset themselves, he's already letting his hands go. i never seen an opponent before make Lomachenko miss like Rigandau had. Uh, you know, again, Rigandau, I think, uh, a career 17% connect ratio he's had on all his opponents up to then. So, you know, but he was happy just doing just that. He wasn't letting his hands go. And he was getting in the mind of Lomachenko. At some point in time, I was saying to myself, okay, now that Lomachenko is starting to use his elbow, he's hitting late in that fifth round, he hit, you know, a few seconds after the bell. You can see he was getting mad. I figured, okay, you know, this is going to play into Rigandau's hands. He's going to use uh, some of his experience. And then, you know what? He's going to capitalize on some of these mistakes because he is a defensive genius and he's a counterpuncher. But he never did that. And so, Rigandau, what's he do? He goes back to his corner and he quits. Why? I don't know. He wasn't taking excessive punishment. He was starting to get into the mind of Lomachenko. Um, you know, he just he just didn't want the fight. He, he didn't want to fight, and that was from the opening bell. And that's not taken away from the win of Lomachenko. Just Rigandau showed nothing like he wanted to win. Dax, what, what are you talking about? He was getting in the head of Lomachenko. Explain that, because I, I didn't see any of that. Listen, Lomachenko was hitting behind... At, Blatantly behind the head. When Rigandau was down low, Lomachenko punched him right behind him several times. Lomachenko's never been, even in the Salido fight, Lomachenko never got frustrated like that. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, of course. But you know something? Lomachenko just, he was getting frustrated. Uh, Hitting after the bell, getting frustrated. We have seen a lot of fighters in the past great fighters you know you take them out of their comfort zone and then you're able to get them out of their game plan and do with them as you want and Rigandau, you know he was it looked like he was about to try and do that but he never even bothered trying you know he never bothered trying as good as uh Lomachenko is uh skill set wise what would happen when a fighter actually is fighting him back there's going to be people out there with the uh oh you're a hater or all that other nonsense that that they come out and and they give uh these days uh you know you don't want to give him credit it's not taking away credit from him but you know recently as of this weekend of course mikey garcia is the big name that's been on there and lomachenko versus garcia is a very good fight who would win i don't know but then you know you get these drones yes i say drones out there who i've seen this week and say 
If Terrence Crawford would stay at 140 pounds for one more fight, Lomachenko could move up there, and he'd make Terrence Crawford quit in his next fight. You know, people, they just go overboard. That's what I mean. They're desperate for a hero. Dax, I, I didn't see it as frustration at all. I, I, what I saw is that I saw Lomachenko getting kind of pissed at Willis, who's, who's a terrible referee, and with the hitting behind the head, that was when Lom when Rigondeaux was getting so low down to the ground, and that hit after the bell. I'm surprised he didn't get a warning on that, but I thought I looked at it, it as Lomachenko just saying, "Hey, you know, if you're gonna elbow me, if you're gonna pull my head down and try and hit me, if you're gonna keep holding me the way he was, and there's no question he was holding. I'm talking about Rigondeaux. Then I'm gonna do this, and that's what we have said. That's one thing that we can honestly say." that Lomachenko learned from his loss to Salido. Those were tactics that Salido was doing. And at that fight, if you go back and watch that fight, especially uh, you, like you've said many times before, you like to watch frame by frame, he was not doing it in that fight. I think he learned, hey, this is how you get fighters to respect you. I didn't look at it as frustration at all. I looked at it as like, if you're going to do this, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I think that Rigondeaux, had no answer. I agree with you 100%. It didn't appear like he was taking a savage beating. It didn't appear like uh, there was anything going on except that he felt that it was not his night and decided not to take any additional punishment, which I, I don't understand. I, I didn't hear any uh, extended reports on, on the injury that he claimed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but like Sal says, in such a big fight, especially from a guy like Rigondeaux who was, who was longing for, to get his name out there and make some paydays that he should have, this was not the way uh, it, it ended. It should have ended for him. No, it's not. You know, just back to uh, the fouls. I'm saying, you know, again, like I said, the what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I don't take away from him for doing that. Uh, the referee should have stepped in. But my point of that matter is, you know, something. There's guys out there, we'll just say recently, a uh, Bernard Hopkins type guy who specialized in things like that. Uh, take Orlando Salido, a guy who specializes in those types of fighting. When Lomachenko was doing that blatantly, that's a little bit out of frustration. You know, he doesn't, you know, have that master yet. He's still developing as a professional, yes. But, you know, if he should go in there against one of these guys, you know, let's say an, another Salido type guy who isn't going to get frustrated. The guy who says, you know what, there's only one of two ways I'm leaving this ring, either on my own steam or on my back. I'm not going to quit inside my corner. Lomachenko, let's see how good a guy is. I don't care who it is in history. Take all the greats, whether it was Ray Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Holyfield, Tyson, Armstrong, Whitaker, you name it. You're not a great fighter until you've been into the trenches and you've shown that you can come out of those trenches ahead or, you can come, or you're willing to go down and stay in those trenches. But instead, what we have in this sport here, we have people declaring this guy the greatest fighter of all time ever. That's what I mean. People are just so desperate for a hero. And there is no such thing as an unbeatable, perfect fighter with no flaws. Lomachenko has flaws. Stop. I don't think anybody – I think he wants I've to be the it, greatest. I well, I, I don't care what you saw. Thousands of I, posts, I can, the YouTube videos, people on TV. They say no fighter is invincible and perfect. No well, such fighter exists. Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, to the next uh, issue I have is, and that's the uh, the WWE event uh, known as uh, Luis Ortiz against Daniel Martz. It was sickening to see. First of all, I thought Ortiz looked ordinary at best, and uh, they had him in there with the perfect opponent. 
and they staged the whole thing with Wilder and all this stuff. What was your thoughts on that fight, the the shenanigans that went on before the fight with Wilder, and then, of course, the the uh, WWE-style call-out in the ring, et cetera, et cetera? Well, was there a surprise that Ortiz was going to win? Uh, Daniel March was knocked out by Brian Jennings in his last fight, I believe. So I, that wasn't a surprise. As soon as they showed Deontay Wilder ringside, um, I took the social media right away. I said, here we go. It's going to be the Deontay Wilder show. And then they bring him on the mic. Um, then Deontay Wilder's talking. And he comes in, I'm going to bless you. I was going to bless you once. I'm going to bless you again. Then he had the nerve to go in there and call. He said, I think you're the best. All right. Then I, th- I think you're one of the best. And that's why I want to fight you. I'm going to bless you with a payday. I'm going to bless you by giving you another opportunity. Deontay Wilder, Eddie Hearn, and Anthony Joshua offered to bless you. Whether or not you can win that <laughs> fight, whether or not you can lose that fight, doesn't, whether or not you lose that fight doesn't matter. They offered to bless you. The man who is the unified heavyweight champion is above the guy who's a former interim belt holder at 37 years old. You're going to get blessed with the highest payday of your career. You want to use the excuse that I shouldn't have to fight Dillian White. Fine, don't fight Dillian White. Negotiate and make that other fight. But again, you don't want to fight the best Deontay Wilder. And go out there and you talk like that. At any minute, I was waiting either for them to say Sting is in the rafters. I was waiting to hear Undertaker music. I was waiting for Deontay <laughs> Wilder to come around and do a Stone Cold Stunner. I was waiting for something like that to happen. I don't know. I don't know why Deontay Wilder still does his hair like Chris from Boys in the Hood back in 1991. I have no idea what's going on there, but it's all an act. And it's, it's pitiful. It's sad. I agree. What do you think, Sal? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Dax, uh, you, you, you depicted ex- exactly what I saw and, and, and translated exactly what I felt. Uh, it, Deontay it was... Wilder next is going to fight Sammy Chef. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Chef. Oh, man. Knock him out uh, quicker than Tyson did. Yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's I'm, I'm telling you, he's Toro from, from uh, the Harder Day Fall. There's no question. Listen. There's no doubt that I wanted to see, uh, you know, uh, Ortiz against Wilder. I, I want to see or- Wilder fight a real fighter. But my opinion is Luis Ortiz is not the same fighter he was several years ago. And, and you know, he's always shown, you know, uh, glimpses of being good and, and which version of him is going to show up. And to me, Dax, even against Martz, he just looked kind of slow. Uh, he left his head open. Um, I, it just seems like if if Deontay Wilder comes in smart, uh, the way he fought Stavern, you know, trying to employ his jab, I think he's going to keep Ortiz away at a safe distance and eventually wear him down. As much as I hate to say it, I think uh, Wilder's going to beat Ortiz and probably stop him. I, the, the version of Ortiz we've seen on Saturday night, I feel Deontay Wilder has an easy time with. Uh, you know, I, I think Deontay Wilder is a talented fighter. What I have against Deontay Wilder are these antics. That's what I have against Deontay Wilder. Nothing to do with Deontay Wilder, the fighter. It's Deontay Wilder, the actor. Oh, I agree. Good point. Oh, Good I, point. Agree I agree with that 100%. I can't stand yes. the, the oh, I swear I'm going to kill somebody in the ring. I swear I'm going to kill it's, it's It's WWE. Listen, one, more, one more of these skits they have in the ring. Do you know what the Carney Awards are? I think I think that he should get one. <laughs> Good I think he should. He'll, he'll get a Carney Award. What? I know who he is, but I can't remember his name. That's going to be his legacy if he continues like this. Yeah, but the funny part was the announcing team saying, oh, there he is with the fans. Everywhere he goes, he gets mobbed by fans. I'm saying, so, nah, they, they were asking people on the street in Brooklyn if they ever heard of the guy. The, 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 uh, 
two days before his last fight at the Barclays Center. Nobody, everybody thought he was a basketball player. Nobody ever heard of the guy. You know, I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. But, he has uh, about as much popularity as the Nets. Almost, almost. Uh, you're right about that. Um, Dax, I'm sure you uh, got a chance to watch the Daniel Dubois uh, fight uh, um, uh, against uh, um, uh, Dorian Darch. You know, it didn't show me anything. I mean, he improved to 6-0 and with six knockouts. But one thing I did notice was Dorian Darch landed at some shots when he came in close. Uh, he was uh, uh, landed uh, so many shots. I, I thought it was. Uh, I, th- I thought that was something that I think um, you know D- Triple D has to go back and and work a little bit on his defense. What do you think? Anthony Joshua at that stage he was hit. You know that's what guys like. Dubois had in front of him Saturday are there for there to work you know this is a guy who isn't overly dangerous he's a guy that might be able to land a few shots he might uh, give you something in your head to say I got to correct this I got to correct that without putting you in any real danger so it was the right opponent uh, it's early in Daniel Dubois career if now if that happens when he takes that next step up then his team has something to worry about but I would hope that they go back and they fix this little flaw uh one last thing Dax uh, Orlando Salido fought uh uh, Miguel uh, Mickey Roman uh, in a very entertaining fight. At the end of the fight, uh, Salido said he retired. He got old in there. I thought the same exact thing, uh, but at least he went out on his shield. What was your thoughts on that fight? It was a great fight. You know, we said Friday, depending on which version of these guys come in, you could be in for a treat. And the best versions of these two guys came in there, at least the best version of what Orlando Salido had left. Uh, It was a back-and-forth fight early on. We thought Salido was going to get Mickey Roman out of there. Mickey Roman comes back. He drops Orlando Salido several times. Uh, Salido was just really worn out. uh, 37 years old, even though he doesn't have as many fights as as Roman in total, Orlando Salido has a lot of miles, a lot of wars on him, just his style. It catches up with you. um, you know, that's not taking anything away from the win. I like um, Mickey Roman. He's a hard luck kid. He's a guy that, you know, needed something like this to help get him to that next level. He has a new trainer. And hopefully, you know, this is opening something new in his career. You know, that was the anti, the exact opposite of what we've seen with uh, Rigandau and Lomachenko, where Rigandau had the biggest opportunity in his career, and he was just happy to quit on his stool. And these were two guys that were just willing to sit there and let it all out with no titles on the line, because that's what they do. They're fighters. Now, Orlando Salido, he's a guy that you're going to say to yourself in five years, you know, is he Hall of Fame worthy? Look at the losses he has. You know, he lost to this guy. He didn't beat this guy. You know, is this really Hall of Fame? Is this Hall of Fame worthy uh, material? And if he gets in, a lot of people are going to say, "Well, they really dropped the standards of the Hall of Fame." But then you have to ask yourself, how many great fights did this guy give? How much blood did he leave in the ring? How many nights did he have me on the edge of my seat, biting my nails, drinking my drink, lighting up cigarettes, pacing back and forth, just wondering how this is going to turn out? You know, because that's you know, guys like Orlando Salido are very few in this sport. They're fading out. So Orlando Salido and my opinion appreciate everything he did for the sport you know best of luck to him in his endeavors and best of luck to uh, mickey roman you know those two guys is you know they are what boxing is about those those are the type of guys that make people fall in love with the sport on that card the other guy you know who's uh tevin farmer was he robbed without shame against kenshi ogawa ogawa was a good fighter but you know farmer outboxed me outclassed him he should have gotten a unanimous decision win uh there's 115 113 from deluca burke clemens 116 112 uh only chima tim chatham had it correct uh 116 112 for farmer but you know how discouraging farmer's a hard-working kid he should have got that 
that decision there. And, you know, also on that card, too, what about Stephen uh, uh, Smith? You know, that year was horrible in that fight against Francisco yeah. Vargas. Again, you know, he was behind, but he kept fighting. He didn't want to quit. You know, the kid yeah. never complained. Those are warriors. Those guys that don't quit. I think Salito will get into the Hall of Fame simply because of his victory over Lomachenko. When Lomachenko finishes his career, obviously, even if you know he ends up losing or whatever, he's still going to be regarded as a great fighter, and Salito has that win over him. So uh, uh, that is going to uh, carry a, a long way, I, I believe. But uh, as far as the Tevin Farmer fight, I, I thought uh, Ogawa uh, was uh, landing some harder shots in the second half of the fight. I thought the first half was for Farmer, but it was a close fight. You know, it's a tough one to score, you know, but uh, in any event... Dax, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, one, one, one last thing, you know, John Pascal. Oh, right. I mean, that's right. I mean, you're right. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, Abilii, Abilii is, is a guy, and, and this is exactly what I said to Sal earlier on the show, Dax. This is what happens when you don't give your fighter a chance to fight better opposition. Jean Pascal didn't do anything crazy. He looked just as raw and terrible as he has in his last several fights. He was just in there with a guy that just didn't have any answers because he was never fight. He never fought anybody better than the slugs that they fed him. You know, John Pascal, you know, we asked Friday what was going to happen. Will this rejuvenate Pascal's career? Will Pascal hang him up? We know he's been a part-time fighter. He's been debating other things outside of boxing, what he can do with himself. You know, Pascal knew going in what he wanted to do. You know, he went out there. He wanted to go out on a win. He wanted to go out on his own terms, and he wanted to go out with an exciting fight. Maybe uh, El Bali, no, he is not a named opponent. No, he's not the guy that maybe a lot of people would have picked. But Pascal went out there, and he slugged. He entertained the fans. It was a great fight. Um, El Bali, you know, he's only going to get better after this fight. But, you know, John Pascal, he's had a good career. Uh, he was, you know, the linear light heavyweight champion that wins over Hopkins. When Hopkins was pound for pound, Chad Dawson, uh, the O'Connor, Lucien Butte, you know, the name goes on. He's only had losses to the very best. Uh, you know, he said pre-fight, um, while Bernard Hopkins and Miguel Cotto are great fighters, I don't want to go out that way. I want to go out my way. And he went out his way. You have to applaud that, and you have to give him you know, credit, and you have to appreciate that, considering over this last year how many guys have retired. And you know what? They didn't go out their way. The, uh, only Andre Ward uh, and uh, Floyd Mayweather and his semi-second, uh, re third retirement, whichever you want to call it, went out his way. But Vladimir Klitschko, uh, Orlando Salido, Miguel Cotto, Juan Manuel Marquez, Takashi Uchiyama, Robert Guerrero, they all went out more or less. They were forced out. They were ushered out by lesser opponents. Jean Pascal, this is a guy maybe levels below him, but at this stage in Pascal's career, he didn't do a Bernard Hopkins. He wasn't knocked out of the ring by, you know, a guy like uh, uh, Joe Smith Jr., who's not a bad fighter, but he's definitely not, you know, an elite fighter, more or less not much above the level of Eliabi. So, you know, John Pascal went out there without being forced out, and you have to applaud that, and you have to appreciate that. No doubt. Dax, we'll look forward to you later in the week, my man. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. That's care, Dax Khan. You can check him out uh, on uh, the website. Uh, BillyCBoxing.com and programming note: We are not doing a live show on Friday uh, of this week, and then next week, um, I believe it's a shortened week, and then we got the holidays here. So uh, once we take the uh, Christmas break, we won't be back till after the first. Uh, but uh, big, big boxing this weekend, uh, Sal. We got uh, your guy is uh, fighting this weekend. Uh, My so guy. We'll, we'll be looking like forward. Him. We'll be looking forward to uh, to that, and uh, we got uh, we'll be talking about the Billy Joe Saunders David Lemieux fight uh, a little bit uh, later in the week. 
but uh, I, I don't know, man. I, you know, all this talk about uh, Lomachenko, I, I think he's the best fighter in boxing pound for pound right now. Uh, I do agree with you. I'll tell you why. You know, uh, call it what you will. I'm jumping on the Lomachenko bandwagon, but but I do know. I see what he possesses, and this guy, I like him for boxing. I like him for anything right now with with, with having to do with boxing. The guy represents, uh, I'm sorry if I'm going to just tout him all I can, but, I mean, he is a great ambassador of boxing. I mean, he works out. He lives clean. He does it all. He's a student. He's evolving. He learns and I'll also say this, Bill, seldom, if not ever, have you seen a father-son relationship uh, work so well together up to this point. And we, uh, I applaud that as well. I mean, this, 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 like I said, a fighter like Lomachenko, a fighter like Sugar Ray Leonard, they're rare to come along every once in a while. And uh, I think Lomachenko, as he wants to be the face of boxing, he wants to be something special in boxing. I think he's well on his way, and uh, I think he'll continue to improve. I think he'll continue to display uh, an artful way of beating opponents. And I think, uh, you know, what he may lack in power, uh, he's going to make up for well, well in, in the volumes of of just being uh, astute and just being able to be versatile enough to handle any situation that opposes him. I think, uh, first of all, I think that he is uh, – the face of boxing right now, future face. Anyway. Right now. Um, I think that his, I, I think that with him, I, I, there's a mean streak I see in him and I yep. like it. And I think if he was able to develop, uh, like you suggest a couple seconds ago, a little more punching power, or at least go in for the kill. I think he's got a, a, a great opportunity to do just that in the weight division that he's currently in. I know people are going to want to force him to to move up and fight a guy like Mikey Garcia, which obviously would be a big money fight for both of them. I just don't think he's ready for Garcia in terms of size yet. Um, you know, I I think that there comes a point where you can't expect fighters to, to continuously move up. You know, uh, yeah. I was critical of Floyd not moving up to middleweight, but this is a guy that walks around um, – you know, close to that weight, you know, so it wasn't like he was moving crazy up. And you can make that same argument about Lomachenko that he, uh, you know, weighed 138 uh, for the night of the fight. It was a rehydration close that he couldn't weigh past that, and he did after he ate. So, I mean, this is the guy. This is as big as he's going to be. Mikey Garcia makes weight at 135. Fight night, he's 147, 148, maybe 150. Maybe 150. You know, I, yeah. So you he's know, got they, a bigger frame. If they put, got a bigger frame, no doubt. And if they did make a fight between uh, Lomachenko and, and and Mikey Garcia, uh, maybe uh, they have to make sure they put in that rehydration clause for Mikey Garcia. You know, uh, to keep the, uh, um, you know, to keep the the, the scales uh, even, so to speak. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what goes on with Lomachenko from here on out. Uh, clearly. Uh, uh, put on a, a, a great and, and entertaining performance. You know, for a one-sided fight, I was entertained, Sal. I don't know about you, but I was entertained. I mean, generally in the past, when I see a fight like that that's one-sided, it's, you know, I want to start doing other things. But I, I was entertained with that fight. What about you? Well, I was too, Bill. But, you know, I think I was so entertained be be 
because of the fact that knowing that Rigondeaux, I, I, I thought there was a looming presence of maybe he's going to do something different to, to turn a fight around or to do something that uh, that is going to uh, uh, surprise the audience or surprise Lomachenko. But that opportunity never came about, and it was never there. But I was entertained, and like I said, just watching Lomachenko is is an, an, a piece of art. I mean, it's it's exactly what a fighter should do and how he does it and, and just delivers. I mean, he has, he has the astute awareness. He has the kinesthetic sense. I use that term. He knows where his muscle power, uh, where his muscles are, how he's going to deliver. He knows like radar, what's going to happen. He anticipates uh, correctly. And uh, like I said, he's just uh, a class above from what we're used to seeing. And I think he's going to give the fans and give boxing a great shot in the arm that it deserves uh, for a long period of time, hopefully uh, for several several years now. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that uh, he's a special fighter. There's no question about it. And, um, you know, I, uh, Bernard Rosasuna uh, was saying that uh, even uh, Rigondeaux's corner uh, was saying the same stuff. You know, you got to do something. You got to throw punches, blah, blah, blah. And he just wasn't. I think that there was some frustration uh, on uh, Rigondeaux's part. Uh, he looked every bit of his age and... Um, I, like I said, uh, even though I made a big deal of it uh, Friday, I, I don't think the size was, was an issue here. I think it was the skill set. I really do. I, I think that um, Lomachenko's skill set uh, has really put some separation uh, between he and everyone else, um, pound for pound. I, I really, you know, when you see a guy spin around uh, and, and constantly landing shots and and have an opponent basically not be able to even see where he is, but he's within punching distance from you. Uh, I think that says it all, Sal. It does. And like I said, this guy's a very special fighter, Bill. I mean, he trains differently. He does things. He pushes himself. He challenges himself. And uh, I think the father-son combination, uh, what they're doing and how they prepare, uh, it's a winning formula, and I can't take it away. And uh, I hope they continue on the right path because uh, he's good for boxing. I look forward to seeing him again and again. That's yeah. that's what it does. That's what a good fighter does. He gets fans. He gets people interested in him. And I'm very interested in seeing what this guy could do further on in his career. I agree. Uh, on this day, well, actually, uh, my trivia question is still alive. Um, I can't believe and, uh, it. Oh my! Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's a tough one. Yet? I'm going to give you guys a, a big hint on this one. Um, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Here's the question: It's a Who Am I question. I captured my first world title on my first try. But once I lost it, it took me almost 12 years and five attempts before I would win another world title. Who am I? The hint here is that this guy uh, recently uh, uh, fought. Uh, his, his, he recently fought trying to resurrect his career and had won the title. It, it wasn't that long ago. Um, so my hint is this guy recaptured that 12 years and five attempts later to recapture was less than 10 years ago less than 10 years ago and wow. less than less than that that just, that's my extra hint if you're the first one to guess this uh right 
you uh, will win uh, your very own copy of the title bout. Again, email me, Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. I captured my first world title on my first try, but once I lost it, it took almost 12 years and five attempts before I would win another world title. Who am I? Good luck to everybody on that. And finally, on this day, December 11th in boxing history, in 1982, one of my favorite fighters, Bobby Chacon, wins a fifth-round decision oh, yeah. over Bazooka Lyman. What a great fight that was. Uh, fifth, I'm sorry, 15-round decision uh, to win the world uh, junior lightweight title. It took place in Sacramento, California. And, uh, in the junior lightweight division, I would love to see a guy like Lomachenko fight a Bobby Chacon or a Bazooka Lyman. Yes. Uh, would be uh, an interesting fight if we could... Uh, have that time machine working correctly. On this day in 1970, Kunaki Shibata knocks out Vincent Salvador in the 14th round to win the WBC World Featherweight title that took place in California. On this day in 1995, Luisto Espinosa wins a 12-round decision of Emmanuel Medina uh, to win the WBC World Featherweight title that took place in Japan. On this day in 1989, Jesus Salad wins a 12 uh wins the uh, WBA World Junior Featherweight title via ninth round disqualification over Juan Jose Estrada and that type fight took place in Inglewood, California. On this day in 1988, Jermaine Torres wins a 12-round decision over Kang Soon Jung uh, to win the vacant uh, WBC Junior Flyweight title took place in South Korea. On this day in 1925, Paul back wins a 15-round decision over Jack Delaney to retain his World Light Heavyweight title, and that took place at the new Madison Square Garden in New York City uh, to be replaced by another new one after that. But uh, anyway, and finally, on this day, December 11th in 1939, Henry Armstrong knocks out Jimmy Garrison in the seventh round to retain his World Welterweight title, and that took place... Uh, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. A side note here to this fight, Benny Leonard, one of the greatest fighters of all time, was the referee in this fight. Wow. So uh, that's what took place uh, on this day, December 11th in boxing history. Uh, We will, programming note, we will be here tomorrow. We will be here on Wednesday, and uh, we are scheduled to present our blast from the past uh, as it was a requested uh, blast. Uh, Alex Papali and myself, Sir Henry Cooper, former heavyweight title challenger, will be our blast. Uh, we are off on Friday, but we will be here on Thursday, and we're scheduled to have a special guest join us for a little bit, an author of a new book. Uh, so uh, you're not going to want to miss any of the shows this week. And, of course, Sal and myself will be uh, getting you ready for the big fight that we're all looking forward to this weekend coming up, and that is David Lemieux challenging uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, for the only title that uh, is not owned uh, by uh, Triple G uh, in the middleweight division, the WBO World Middleweight title. So uh, uh, without further ado, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs>